Hello and welcome to the very first edition of the Liverpool FC Digest. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking all things Liverpool. From post-game analysis, where I'll be breaking down the game, giving my thoughts and analysis, to pretty much build up to the fixtures ahead. I'll also be taking a look each week at the media and the transfer talks and all the ongoings behind the scenes at the club that we don't get to see. I'll also be taking a look at the wider LFC family as a whole by focusing on how LFC is impacting the local community around you and around the world. So I'll be talking to you about charity work uh, and other positive projects that the Liverpool Football Club is involved in or funding or sponsoring. I'll also be asking you as fans and listeners to have your say so that you can share all the great work that you're doing with your communities. Um, So yeah, if you keep an eye on the Twitter page um, for updates on how you can get involved, it'll be great to share the, the word of how Liverpool is positively impacting the communities. I don't want to sound cliche, but being a Liverpool fan, this does mean more and we should share the, the love for each other and support one another. So let's be proud of all the good work that our club is doing to support the community. And um, no one in the Liverpool fan base walks alone, so let's come together. Before we move on to our post-match analysis, just want to take the time to say thank you for tuning in to our first ever episode at the Liverpool Digest. You can find us on Twitter at Liverpool Digest. For more information, I'll be releasing a poll after the uh, podcast to give you some more input into the podcast on what we discuss moving forward. So if you keep an eye on that, and um, if you've liked the episode, please do subscribe and follow, and uh, please leave any feedback that you would like to. So now I've cleared that up, let's move on to our post-game analysis. So let's get stuck into Liverpool's 2-0 win over Chelsea. Uh, right from the very first whistle, Liverpool were looking to dictate the play. We started very sharply, very good on and off the ball. Our press was very effective, really putting a lot of pressure on them in their own half. As a holding midfielder coming into the, the back four was incredible. On more than one occasion, he was left isolated one-on-one with um, Werner and... You could see Werner's eyes lighting up as he looked to take him on, but Fabinho just looked so astute at the back, so confident and uh, in control. Um, I didn't want to say it at half-time, but yeah, Fabinho had Werner in his back pocket the whole game. He performed very well. Um, A lot was being said uh, with our team selection, because obviously Matip and Gomez were out injured uh, with little niggles in training. So a lot was being made of Fabinho coming back into the defence. Uh, a lot of people were looking for criticism against our transfers yet again to say we haven't bought another defender to cover Lovren, but these doubters clearly didn't watch the Bayern Munich match where, last season where he played um, as part of a back four. And yet again, he just showed how how diverse he is, being able to cover in a variety of positions. And he's like, exactly the right kind of player we need this season. To, to compete on all different levels. Right from the first 10 minutes, Chelsea were forced back into their own third. Um, they weren't really able to get much respite outside of their own third. Uh, the occasional ball over the top uh, to try and capture um, on the counter or uh, trying to beat the press was the only way out for them. Uh, they didn't have any sustained pressure on us and didn't have any real possession 
in the first half or in the game as a whole, really. Um, I found that Fabinho's performance as a... Um, I found that Chelsea approached the game and they were very narrow. There wasn't much width, so they weren't able to stretch us at all uh, on the counter. If they had maybe Hudson Odoi playing on the on the wing instead of Mount, that would have been a, a lot better for them to try and stretch us because on the break they had Werner, they have Hadverts, they had uh, Mount, but there was no real pace to to go around Liverpool, and um, yeah, it all looked very static. Um, very heavy in the midfield with Jorginho, Kante and uh, Kovacic. And Liverpool just looked superior in all aspects, even though the stats in the first half were looking pretty similar. Um, Liverpool, on the eye, just looked like they were clearly on top. Um, they looked like they were they were in control the whole time and uh, Chelsea were just struggling to keep Liverpool at arm's length or to even get a foothold in the game. Um, even when Chelsea did finally break our high press or get us on the counter they found it really difficult to get past our, our well-marshaled defence and our shape I must say was much better than the game against Leeds we we looked like that we were much more well-drilled compared to that game and it was good to see um, and Alisson in particular, in the first half, I could see his distribution was better than last week. It was quick, it was uh, confident, and he had no problem with the ball at feet or in his hands. He he looked uh, he looked great, really. Um, good to see him getting involved with play. A week worth of training seemed like it was uh, of benefit to Henderson as well. His play was looking good, nice and tidy, quick passes out to Salah on the right. Um, he looked like he was the leader of the, the press and was really aggressive in his um, defending. Um, it was a shame that he had to go off at half-time and I hope that his injury isn't uh, too badly um, going to affect him moving forward. The general play for the first half was Liverpool keeping Chelsea penned in with their high press. We looked really well organised and I liked the way we were um, pressing in numbers and they found it difficult to, to get past. On occasions they were able to beat our press but not often enough and um, we just looked to keep penning them in and it, it was a matter of time before we scored even with 11 players in my opinion. And then the red card came on 43 minutes. Um, Alisson rolled the ball out to Henderson, who quickly swivelled and realised Mane was on the run. And from the edge of his own box, he pinned an incredible pass um, through the hole of their team um, to the other end of the pitch, where Mane's run, um, which was just as clever, uh, timed it to perfection. Their vision from Henderson and the ability to, to pick that pass was, was, was wonderful. And yet again, uh, silencing his critics um, who say he isn't anything else other than a runner. And I just want to mention Mane's run. It, it looked like an incredible pass and that he was easily going to, to get onto the end of it. Uh, but if you watch his run again, he, he slightly checks himself knowing that Christiansen is right behind him. And he takes a contact um before receiving the ball. So it was really well judged as he knew that Christiansen was going to try and tackle him 
uh, unfairly. So he knew if he was to be touched, it was going to be a red card. And yeah, so it was very intelligent attacking play from Mane. In terms of the red card, it was initially given as a yellow. I thought it was a red card all day long. He had no intention on playing the ball. He just wanted to take his man out. The only reason I could imagine it was given as a yellow was because he wasn't able to get clear view on how close Mane was to the goal. Uh, I probably thought the only reason he would have given it was because if he gives a yellow, he can always check VAR to increase it to a red. However, if he were to give a red, there's very little he could do to take it down to a yellow. So I just thought he probably wanted to give the Chelsea defender the benefit of the doubt. But it was really good to see him make the most of the screen and use VAR for what it should be uh, used for. Uh, that was really good to see it not cause any upsets. There was no complaints from either side uh, about the red card. Um, I mean, after the game, Frank has been complaining, but I think that's just to try and um, cover for his players because, yeah, you have you can't complain about that. It was blatant. And obviously, Chelsea being reduced to 10 men led us to the break at 0-0, but it meant that we were going to have a huge advantage in the second half, um, which I'll get onto now. So in the interval, Henderson was taken off and Thiago came on which was bittersweet because it was a shame to see uh, Captain Henderson being removed after I thought he was showing great improvement from last week and his fitness levels were up, his leadership was good, he was the, the first initiator of the press, but it, apparently it was a fine injury, so hopefully nothing too uh, serious. Um, and just to see Thiago come onto the pitch, it was so exciting. Um, I just wish that there was fans there to welcome, welcome him onto the pitch, especially at Anfield. He would have got a, a standing ovation, no doubt about that. Um, so, yeah, in the second half, it, obviously, we had much more possession as expected. We looked like we had a certain swagger about us, um, a lot of confidence on the ball and a lot more control. Even though it was against 10 men, it was still good to see us have that kind of domination Um which I would have liked to have seen against Leeds. Um, but yeah, it was good to see us have lots of the ball, uh, looking to play lots of nice little passes in their final third. So talking about Thiago, um, there's just such class to him as a player. He was just so central to everything we were doing. He was accepting the ball um, in every position. All the players were wanting, looking to him to give him the ball. Even Salah was giving him the ball more than I've ever seen him uh, give the ball to anybody else. Um, and even the, the stats back it up. Our first goal came courtesy of a Mane uh, header on 50 minutes, which was really well executed. A great uh, run into the box from him. Uh, I really liked our build-up play. Firmino um, drifted out wide to receive the ball and chipped it back in for Mane, who was darting across the box to jump in front of his man to get the header in and it was just really good play a really good build-up play it looked like it was coming because we'd been playing similar sort of play since the restart and it was just really confident play from us i really uh, enjoyed watching it and before i could let that sink in uh, we had already scored the second again courtesy of Mane, uh, a trademark um, interception 
from one of our forwards uh, after a high press on their defence. You know, there's no surprise that Kepa is making that kind of mistake. I've seen it so often from him and I know it's been covered for months that he is about to leave. So, yeah, you can see why they're looking to replace him because those mistakes are costing them. And, yeah, I know they were down to 10 men, but you can always hold hope at 1-0. But um, with Kepa making that mistake, Liverpool sealed the game. Um, what led to the goal was Mane losing the ball and then had the tenacity to make up for his error and keep chasing and chasing. And he did it with such uh, desire that it led to the goal and it was created all by him. And he deserved the Man of the Match performance um, award because he led our front three really well today. And anything Mo can do, Mane can do just as well. I feel like seeing Salah score three last week probably spurred him on to try and put in a bit more of an influential display and no doubt did he achieve that. So after utter domination um, from most of the second half, we then found ourselves giving a penalty away on the 73rd minute. Up until then, it had been all Liverpool, all second half. Um, we had it all our own way. We were doing exactly what we wanted to do, uh, treating it probably a bit like a training session. I would like us to have been a bit more clinical, a bit more ruthless, really taking Chelsea to the sword. Um, but we did, and we lost our concentration, which led to us giving the penalty away. Unfortunately, it was Thiago, and I felt sorry for him because I doubt he's even had a training session with our defence, and he got caught out making a silly challenge on the edge of the box, um, which led to the penalty. But I'm sure he'll learn with time to come. Um, how to defend in this Liverpool team. Uh, I'm really excited to see how he adapts um, with our defensive side of the game because we all know that he can um, play offensive football really well. But I'd like to see him improve on his marking and tracking his runners um, so that he doesn't do any more silly fouls such as that one that led to the penalty. But it's crazy to think that he only came on Friday, you know, he fit into our team so well. It was as if he's always played for us. He looked he looked as if he was one of our own right from the beginning when he came on. Uh, we didn't play too differently. Um, we just continued playing the style that we do. And he fit into the mould of that wonderfully. But with the penalty, up stepped Jorginho, who previously had a 100% record with Premier League penalties. Uh, against Allison, and Allison saved it, which was really great to see, because Jorginho is hard to pick up um, from the penalty spot because of his uh, his little jump or his um, his little feint. It's really easy to throw anybody off. Um, I don't think there's many goalkeepers that can pick that up because it just throws you off. So last minute, it's hard to know which way to go. But he made the save and Milner cleared the rebound. And it was great to see him make that save because he'd been good all game. And I felt like he deserved his clean sheet. And especially after the Community Shield loss on penalties, where he wasn't able to save any, it was really good to get his confidence back up um, by saving the next available penalty. So, yeah, it's really good for his confidence moving forward. And then after that penalty save, the game continued um, 
with Liverpool dominating possession, um, playing lots of passes, building up nicely, um, but no clear cutting edge. Uh, Milner got his first appearance of the season, which was good, um, demanding the armband from Van Dijk. Um, nice to see Milner get some minutes. And uh, Minamino came on uh, before the final whistle. So yeah, an all-round great performance from Liverpool. Utterly dominated the match. Brilliant results. Fantastic to keep the clean sheets. Our first of the season. Hopefully, Alisson can aim towards getting their golden gloves. And it leads us on nicely to our next games. Obviously, we have Lincoln City in the middle of the week um, on Thursday in the EFL Cup. I'm not sure what kind of team Klopp will play, but considering we're playing Arsenal on Monday, I'd imagine he would field uh, a few reserves uh, like he would have done last season. But I'm sure he will also want to build up um, some consistency. This Liverpool team is all about consistency and momentum, so maybe we'll see a mixture. Um, Maybe a few will come in, like Curtis Jones, um, Minamino, Miko Williams players such as that uh, to get more minutes. But I wouldn't be surprised if we kept a a strong core of the first team there as well, Um, especially considering the lack of pre-season we had and many players still look uh, out of fitness, um, such as Henderson. Um, But hopefully his injury isn't too bad and he can pick up uh, where he left off against Chelsea. But an all-round great performance from Liverpool. Completely different feeling to what I had last weekend against uh, Leeds. And I just hope we continue like this because it will lead us for a really enjoyable season. And two wins from two, it couldn't get any better. Yeah, um, wonderful performance. So that wraps up my post-match analysis. Now I'll be moving on to media discussions and talking about our busy week in the transfer market. So let's get stuck in talking about our week's transfer business. Uh, let's start on Friday's dealings with Thiago coming in. What a player to bring in. I didn't think it was going to happen at some points this summer. I just thought it was all speculation. I thought it would go against everything that Klopp usually does, everything that FSG usually does. and It, it just didn't seem right. A world-class player of Thiago's ability. What a wonderful signing to make. He's come in on a four-year deal. Uh, for £20 million with £5 million extra for appearances and trophies. But it's been split over the contract, so as it stands, we'll be paying £5 million a season for Thiago. I mean, does it get any better than that for transfers, really, to have a player of his quality come in for £5 million? I, I doubt you could get a loan sign-in of a mediocre player for that. So... I don't want to jump on the Michael Edwards bandwagon because there's a lot of people on that bandwagon, but I don't know if there's any being a better sporting director than Michael Edwards in recent history. I, I'm i very biased being a Liverpool fan, but I, I honestly, I can't believe the kind of deals that this guy comes out with. As I mentioned, it's very unlike FSG, but at the same time, it's very FSG. What makes me think it's unlike them is the fact that it is a 29-year-old player who is not in his early years. He is a well-established player. Everyone knows who he is. And the transfer fee of £25 looks quite high. 
for someone with only one year left on his contract. So everything there tells me this is a no-go for FSG. Will it be a landslide signing? I don't think so. I don't think every window will be bringing in our own Galactico. Um, I feel like it was a very um, opportunistic signing. Um, I think we managed to negotiate our own terms. I think Bayern Munich knew that he wanted to leave and they didn't want to risk getting nothing for a player of his quality. Um, so I think all the stars lined up for Liverpool in this transfer um, and the fact that we've managed to pull it off is just incredible and I think we should all feel lucky to to have such a player come in at such a, a strange time. Um, so that's why the £5 million per year makes sense in this transfer. I found the way that Klopp responded to questions about Thiago in news conferences before he was allowed to very funny. He couldn't stop laughing throughout. Um, the smile on his face was a picture. Um, it was making me laugh throughout the week. I mean, and then Robbo got in on the act as well, acting all smiles. And it just, you could see how excited they both were to have Thiago joining them, even though they weren't able to say anything. Because as it turned out, all of his terms were arranged well before the money was uh, sorted out. And that's why I was able to play uh, yesterday. But moving forward, I think the Thiago deal is going to be great for Liverpool. I think he's a quality player and will get many years great output from him. The pedigree of player he is and the amount of honours he's won is just astonishing. And I just hope and know that he will continue at, at Liverpool. And considering just how many years we've seen Lovren wearing the number six, how refreshing was it to see the number six with Thiago on the back instead? Um, a proper number six, um, just so classy throughout the game. And it just amazes me that he's only been there for a couple of days. It, I just think he's going to be wonderful moving forward. If that transfer wasn't enough, then came Jota on the Saturday. And the £45 million left me completely uh, shocked, to be honest. Uh, I didn't even know we were linked with him. I didn't even know we were interested in him. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're willing to spend £45 million on a vers versatile forward that can come on or cover in certain games. But when you look at the details, the fact that we only have to pay £5 million over 12 months, again, just shows what an incredible negotiator Michael Edwards is over 12 months of a 45 million fee. How was he able to get Wolves to agree to that? It's crazy. And I doubt there's many other clubs out there that are willing to do such business, especially Leipzig for Werner. I think that's probably why we didn't get Werner because they wanted the 50 million pounds up front and Liverpool, they want to stick by what they've gone out and said. They're sticking by their stance of acting uh, clever in the market because of the difficult financial times. And establishing £5 million for the first year is great business, you know. Again, you couldn't really get an, a player in on loan for that kind of fee, so it just shows what incredible negotiations we've done this past week to effectively spend £10 million and get Jota and Thiago in. I mean, I can't, I can't really fathom it, to be honest. And what makes it even more sweet is the fact that we've managed to recuperate the fans 
that it cost us to bring in Jota and Thiago straight away with the sale of Hoover. I mean, Wolves have bought him for £10 million, possibly rising to 13.5. And the fact that we stand at a profit so far, this transfer market, amazes me. Um, In terms of the player, I think Jota is very tricky, very unpredictable. I'm not sure on his consistency. I haven't seen enough of Wolves over the past three years that he's been there. But he is only 23, and this is the right time for him to step up if he was ever going to step up. So I feel like this is the best time for him to push himself. And I don't think there's a better manager than Klopp in developing uh, players with potential into superstars. If you take Marnie, for example, he was primed to leave Southampton to go to a big team, and he has. And under Klopp's guidance, he's become one of the world's best. And I think that spells only good things for Liverpool moving forward with Jota. Um, I don't know where he will fit in or where he will impact the game the most. I'm hoping he comes on in a forward role in the central positions um, to give Firmino a bit of a break or to put a bit more pressure on him to deliver. Uh, I think he needs competition and over the past couple of years, Origi has gone a bit stale, so maybe this fresh challenge of Jota will help Firmino take his game up another level again. But again, it's an exciting transfer to have made. I'm looking forward to seeing how he would link up with players. Uh, It's a bit like Minamino. I think he's a versatile forward. Um, And even with Minamino himself, I wonder this year how he will fit in because I'm quite excited to see this new attacking unit that Liverpool have. So obviously we've got the usual front three still there. Uh, with now Jota and Minamino and Origi as backup. So, and obviously you can't forget about Shakiri. Um, and I know Brewster might be leaving, but if he does stay, then again, where do all these players link up? Um, I hope Jota can embed himself quite quickly so that we have a, a viable option other than Origi quite soon on in the season. But again, I think. The past couple of days, bringing in Thiago and Jota, it, it's turning doubters into believers day by day. You know, after the Leeds game, there was many people doubting Liverpool's uh, activity. Paul Merson even came out and said Liverpool are probably going to finish fourth because they haven't brought in anyone. And now everyone's eating their own words. I mean, how can you make business that? I mean. How can you do business like Liverpool have this week and start to doubt them now? Uh, I just love that we keep proving our doubters wrong and I hope it never ends. You know, I'm really glad that we've brought in both Thiago and Jota. Uh, not to say I wouldn't have been happy if we didn't, but I'm just really glad to see competition for places, especially in the midfield. I saw glimpses of Wijnaldum um, on the weekend, moving forward slightly more after Thiago came on. And that was good to see because I've always been excited by the Wijnaldum we see for Holland. So we'll see what that leads to. As I mentioned, Hoover has left. I'm quite disappointed that he didn't quite make it at Liverpool. But we need to balance out our team. We've got a lot of young prospects coming through, such as Van der Berg, Williams, Jones, Brewster... Um, 
and we didn't quite have enough support players um, like Jota will be. So it's good to see us, I guess, balance the books a bit, um, get that balance right, because towards the end of last season, we had a lot of youngsters on our bench. Um, not to say that's a bad thing, but it left us a bit short on experienced options. So, yeah, um disappointed to see Hoover not make it, but I hope he does well. And not to forget, Michael Edwards secured a 15% sell-on clause for him. So, yeah, again, wonderful negotiating skills. And I'm just so glad that he's working for us and not one of our rivals. And that's all the time we've got uh, to talk about transfers and the media this week. Uh, next week, if we haven't got any uh, further transfers coming in, we'll be focusing more on the journalists and uh, news outlets to bring their reaction to games and our squad moving forward. Also, because of our busy week in the transfer market, uh, I've run out of time this week to talk to you about uh, the wider LFC family. So next week, hopefully, we'll have more time to discuss that and, and talk in particular about um, charity work um, going on around the Liverpool area uh, and across the globe. So yeah, if you keep an eye on my Twitter page, um, so that we can get some coverage on how the LFC fan base is positively impacting our communities. So, um, yeah, so now I'll be moving on to our final. Let's take Lincoln firstly. So they're currently sat uh, second in League One after wins at home to Oxford, which is particularly impressive and away to MK Dons again, which is an impressive result. And their standout result this season has been a 5-0 away win against Bradford. Um, they've won all of their games so far this season and have only conceded three goals in five games. So they're, they're quite a good outfit uh, for League One. Uh, it, they're in good form, clearly, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of team we go with. As I mentioned earlier, I think we'll probably go for a blend of um, first-team quality and reserves just to get the consistency um, continuing and uh, the momentum building um, with Arsenal just around the corner. But I think a lot of the reserves will be looking to get minutes in this game. I'm not the greatest fan of the, uh, the League Cup. Um, I'm not sure if teams take it too seriously, but... It's a good opportunity to see uh, some of our reserves, especially at the earlier stages. So, yeah, um, that game is on Thursday. So looking forward to catching that. But um, the main game we'll be building up to is the Arsenal game. So let's talk about our game on Monday night against Arsenal. As we all know, Arsenal are a different team under Arteta compared to Emery. And I personally am not really enjoying this new Arsenal uh, under Arteta. He seems like uh, he's managed to get their drive back, their uh, their fight, and they're, they're quite a difficult team to beat now. Uh, under Emery, they had no mental strength, um, no desire, and Liverpool find it e found it easy to, to cut through them, really. Arsenal are currently sat second, just above Liverpool in the league, on goal difference. They've won both of their games in different circumstances, and... Um, It'll be an interesting fixture to see where Arsenal are at this year. We've already played them in a charity shield and I felt like Liverpool should have won that game. Their goal was frustrating to concede 
considering it was against the run of play and um, they just broke the press quite early and found Aubameyang uh, free on that flank. So it was quite a frustrating goal to concede and yeah, um, they didn't really look too threatening against West Ham, which is strange to say because West Ham can make anyone look threatening really. But I don't really have any doubts about our Liverpool side and I think we are stronger than them. I think Arteta is a good manager and we'll have them really well drilled. But I think from um, our last week's display against Chelsea, I think um, Arsenal won't really pose too many risks for us. Um, the one thing about Arsenal that I'm always cautious of is Aubameyang because he's one of those strikers that cuts in from the flank. And if I'm honest, Liverpool haven't been dealing well with players like that for quite a while. And he does that. Um, really frequently, so I don't really like playing against those sort of players. I've seen Sane uh, do it against Liverpool, Rashford do it against Liverpool, Bernardo Silva. Um, we we struggle against those kind of wingers or strikers that cut in. Um, so I think we've got to be really careful about that, especially if Fabinho is still uh, covering at centre back because, or if it's just about breaking our press quite early and then getting numbers forward. I'm not sure, but. I'm sure Klopp has highlighted it. And obviously, against a, a striker of a Bamiyang's quality, you're going to struggle all kind of afternoon. So, yeah, um, I'm sure they'll they'll will have their threats, but I'm more than positive Liverpool will come out on top. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Jota gets a run out in either the Lincoln game or against Arsenal. I think it's hard to assess where a player is at in their development when they play in a, a team that isn't world-class. So, It'll be really interesting to see how he fits in and what kind of general level he is at um, when he's around other players of similar quality. Before we go, I'm going to give my uh, pre-match score predictions for both the games. I'm pretty sure we'll win both. Depending on what kind of team we play against Lincoln, I think we could win 2-0 or 3-1. We might see uh, Van der Berg come in, considering both Matip and Gomez have missed out, so because of his inexperience and they've been scoring quite a lot of goals it could lead to them getting one but I'm sure we'll get the job done no matter what team we play and against Arsenal I think we'll end up winning 1-0 uh, I think this Arsenal team under Arteta are very well drilled um, Liverpool all have learned from their lessons with the goal that they conceded I think Arsenal are very good at absorbing pressure um, and um, getting players to be drawn in before pouncing so yeah, I'd imagine we won't fall into the same traps and we'll manage to find a way as we always do. Um, we're the mentality monsters for a reason and I'm sure we'll get a job done. That's about all the time I've got for this week's episodes. Um, thanks very much for listening and for tuning in. If you've liked it, please subscribe and follow me on Twitter at Liverpool Digest. Feel free to send me any sort of reviews or feedback on how this episode has gone like i said it is a first episode so yeah thanks for joining me on this uh, this adventure and this journey and before we leave i'm going to finish with a quote from the king sir kenny darglish himself who once said there is no one anywhere in the world at any stage who is any bigger or any better than this football club and that's it as i've said thanks very much for listening please subscribe see you next week you'll never walk alone